Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Just Stone Cold set up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Well, the open date is over. And, you know, nobody's ever lost a game, no matter how good you are or how bad you are, when Idol is the opponent for that week. But lo and behold, Texas moves up. Texas moves up a spot in the AP poll, a spot in the coaches' poll, still in sole possession of first place in the Big 12 as we kick off the second half of the season. Now, you might be saying, well, Jeff, the regular season is 12 games, so shouldn't the six-game mark be the halfway point? Well, if you're thinking about it, you're through seven games. If you get the Big 12 championship game and a bowl game, I'm going to be optimistic and say seven's the halfway point. So, boom, you're set up perfectly for the second half of the season after the bye week. I want Texas fans. Texas fans should be enjoying this. Like I've seen way too many posts hmm. on social media and on our message board at Horns 24-7 with fans like, oh, we just, just focus on – don't start talking about the CFP. Don't start talking about the Big 12 title picture. Just focus on Oklahoma State. Well, the team can do that, but as a fan – you suffered through a loss in Lawrence, Kansas. You suffered through twenty-four nothing in Ames. You it's suffered tough. through a fifty to seven loss to TCU that should have been a hundred to seven if TCU wanted it to be that bad. You suffered through a lot of crap yep. during this decade. Enjoy the fact that you're in the top ten and you're six and one and you're going to Stillwater at a primetime game on ABC, right where you wanted to be, right in the thick of the Big Twelve title picture. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to say this is Texas fans. When I was playing, yeah. we won 11 games, and they were still pissed and upset. No, it's just So I'm going to say too, this is the Texas fans that I know. I don't think <laughs> these are the Texas fans. I don't know. This is the truth. These yeah. are the Texas fans I know. We won 11 games, bro, and we were disappointing. No, I that get was that. A disapp- yeah. We won it two years in a row. That was a disappointment to Longhorn fans because we didn't win either the Big 12 title or we didn't win the national title because that's where the expectations should be. So you know what? I'm not getting no Longhorn fans. Because this is the Longhorn fans that I know and recognize from years past. These are the Longhorn fans that uh, have made this the most expansive and the largest and arguably most loyal fan base in the country in terms of purchasing merchandise and representing their Longhorn fan base. So I I was in San Francisco this past weekend. I passed like four or five Longhorn fans who randomly were wearing burnt orange and and just just gave me the hook because I was wearing a hat. I believe I was. Uh, the same hat I'm nice. right now. Man, you know and I mean? that's a camouflage Longhorn Exactly. Hat. So that, that's the point. These Longhorn fans, yes, they are spoiled, but they're used to a certain standard, and Texas is not even meeting that standard right now, and we're still probably about on our track to win double-digit games or competing in the Big 12 title. But that's Texas football. Yeah. If it's either national mm-hmm. title, Big 12 title, or bust. So, actually, 
Reminds me of the fans of old. I don't know. And <laughs> you're never going to have all the fans agree or disagree. I just like that it's morphed, that at least you have some hope, even if you have something to be upset about that. Eh, look at it this way. Hey. You screwed up. You thought the season was going to crap, and you're already in the top six in the first half of the year's over. So yeah. take it however you want to want. I think that's more of an indication of the person. Some people are happy. Some people are liking to criticize, and that's just maybe comes down to the personality. It's, a good sign. it's been a while since the fan base has been in this position. Uh, I don't think we've ever been in this position since we've been doing this show. This is no. Longhorn Blitz yeah, with Hornets 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. He is the master of the soundboard, Matt Butler. He is lifetime Longhorn. Rod Babers, our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. No time for the introductions. we got a lot of stuff to get to. And Rod, I think we're talking about two different things, though. I think you're talking about, yes, I, I, I agree with you, that does exist. I'm talking more of, I'm sensing a uh, Almost a nervousness, almost a, like like how people treat a pitcher during a no-hitter. Like, just don't talk about it. Don't mention anything. <laughs> don't pay attention to just it. Just from me seeing some interactions on just turning onto Twitter and all CBs always tweeting or talking Longhorn stuff, and he was reiterating to make sure Longhorn fans out there knew that there are upset Longhorn fans from the Baylor game. And it's like, well, if you're upset, it's like you survived it and you're six. If you're happy about it, you're happy about it. Move on. I yeah. just think Texas fans should right now take the opportunity. Look, just puff your chest out a little bit and just enjoy this. Just kind of soak in it. It's been a long time, Rod, since this fan base has had the opportunity to say, you know what, we're not a bad football team. We're actually pretty good. And and that's kind of where I wanted to start the conversation today. We didn't normally during the bye week we get to watch a lot of football related to who Texas is going to play, but it seemed like damn near the entire Big Twelve was off. This weekend, it Texas was. fans couldn't even watch. Even couldn't even watch the Aggies play and Meyer in the misery of an A and M loss. If you wanted to, because A and M had their bye week yeah. this week. So, and the two games, I don't think it really told us anything. Oklahoma TCU TCU's clearly got their issues, and in the wake of that game, Sean Robinson's done for the year with a shoulder a shoulder mm-hmm. injury. Kevontae Turpin has Off the field legal issues, issues to yeah. say the absolute least. I don't know if he'll ever play another down at TCU given yeah. that situation. So the Frogs have a lot of issues, and newsflash, Oklahoma's offense is really freaking good. So we didn't learn anything from there. And then Kansas and Texas Tech, I don't know if that was – Kansas is that bad, especially in the red zone, or Texas Tech's defense is that much better. Maybe it's a little bit of both. I don't know, but, Rod, we didn't learn both. really anything in this league. I think it's both. For the two games mm-hmm. this weekend. Yeah, yeah. I think it's both. Think te- A&M, or uh, not tech, A&M. Thing. Exactly. Tech, like, going into the opening weekend, a lot of people thought that uh, game against Ole Miss was going to be, like, more of a defensive battle in Tech's defense. That was, like, the only time that they really hicked up, and after that, they've been great. Well, the U of H yeah. game was a shootout. Yeah. Yeah, U of H put some points up yeah. on them. Yeah. But Houston's code. putting up points on everybody. Yeah. So. Well, I, and I said I was gonna say that's that's Kendall Browse. We know that that's that mm-hmm. our Browse system. We know they can put up. If you're points. looking, if you're looking yeah. big picture, kind of group of five teams, somebody that could sneak into that playoff picture. U of H South Florida's this weekend, so we'll see if we'll mm. see if uh, it's it's the Veer and Shoot versus the Veer and Shoot, but it is the Kendall Bryles yeah. version, which is the more pure. Puro Art Bryles version of the offense against Sterling Gilberts, which is still kind of the it's the same system. Charlie Strong has had some success versus those veer and shoot offenses, though. Well, at least he did here at Texas. And I was gonna say that uh, before you even brought up Charlie Strong in South Florida, I was like, this sort of reminds me of one of those like '07 years, and it's sort of good that Texas can be a really good team in a or have a really good record in a down college football year because it's really not up to you if you're in a season like 2005 when arguably 
arguably two of the best teams of all time are facing off at the top of the sport. Yeah. Everybody knows there's Alabama, but it just seems as if there are a lot of teams that were thought to already be out, lost early, already up in the top, you know, looking at Michigan and Texas. And one of those years where you may see some more teams drop and we may have this recycling of teams up at the top area. So it's a good time to be good in a down year maybe for college football, especially when you came back your way into a playoff. Good year for the Blue Bloods. Notre Dame, Michigan, Texas. Yeah. Back in the mix. Yeah. And, and Matt, your point kind of takes me back to where I wanted to go. And, guys, when we start looking at the Big 12 title picture, it, it look, whether fans want to talk about it or not, we have to talk about it because we're about to be in the month of November and Texas is right in the thick of this thing with no conference losses, six-game winning streak going into this weekend's game against Oklahoma State, which we will talk about on this show. But, Rod, there's a couple of things to point out. Number one, is Texas flawed? Does Texas have issues? Yes, you can look at this team, particularly on offense and even on defense, and we talked about some of those last week, that, yeah, you can see where an opponent can look at things Texas does or doesn't do well and say, okay, we can attack that here. Well, we might not be able to get them here, but we can take advantage of this here. But when you look at everybody else in the league, Everybody, there's no great team in the Big 12 this year. Everybody's got their issues. West Virginia had their issues exploited uh, against Iowa State. Oklahoma had their defensive issues exploited against Texas. And we've already seen teams like TCU's falling off. They're out of the conference title picture. Oklahoma State is teetering on the brink of being out of the picture. So you really got an established pecking order in the Big 12 right now. And Texas is right in the thick of this thing right where – if you're a Texas fan going into the season, this is where exactly you wanted to be right now is having a shot at the Big 12 title going into this last stretch of five games. Yeah, honestly, a team that worries me the most down the stretch, thank God Texas has them at home, is Iowa State. Their team is kind of trending. Mm-hmm. They got the defense right now that's perfectly acclimated to the Big 12, kind of like a Todd Orlando defense. And they also, and I like what Gibbs is doing at Texas Tech too. Yeah. Um, I think there are a couple of guys in the Big 12 that are kind of trying. They're trying to figure out this these air raid evolutions, and they're doing a really good job of it. But also because they have Purdy, Brock Purdy is his name. Yes. Yeah, Brock Purdy. Uh, Brock. Yeah, Brock's are usually good quarterbacks. Right? Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy. Uh, and the thing that worries me is not that he's a good quarterback right now and he's trending, is that there's not a lot of film on him. So when you're trying to break him down and come up with a game plan, you don't really have a lot to go on. That is an advantage as yep. we all know in the football world, and they're trending in the right direction, they worry me, honestly, more than West Virginia does. Mm. I, mean, I, I feel good about Texas versus West Virginia because I know Todd Orlando versus traditional pocket-passing quarterbacks has, re- has been really, really effective. What worries me is Todd Orlando versus a system when a, a quarterback that he hasn't seen a lot of. Yeah, there, There's that too, Rob, but I, th- yeah, also, I also think the fact that when you look at a Texas-West Virginia matchup, I think now it's not like last year where you know you were wondering, gosh, how's Texas going to be able to score points if West Virginia does have one of those outbursts where they're scoring you know two or three touchdowns in a stretch of six minutes? Now you feel like, okay, Texas does enough well on offense that even if the defense hits one of those lows, your offense, it might not be able to pull ahead, but it can at least keep pace if you've got a stretch of that game where your defense isn't playing really, really well. Right, that's if we have Sam Ellinger at which we're also going to talk about close to one hundred percent, which is not the case. Period. Right. Um, let's go ahead and actually go there with the Sam Ellinger injury. That's the biggest news coming off of the bye week. Everything I've heard, what Tom Herman said on Monday, look, they've still got a couple of days of practice before the game, I think Tuesday, Wednesday. It's interesting, Rod, Tom Herman said he's not worried about Sam Ellinger, how much work he gets during the Tuesday and Wednesday practices, which, yeah. as we all know, are the big install days. It really comes down to how's he feeling on Thursday, Friday, when you get ready to make that trip. And 
Rod, you've I know you've had shoulder issues in, have, in the past. Yeah. Have you dealt with the grade one AC? No, AC all spray? my stuff was way more serious than that. So it was, yeah, <laughs> not a throwing injury. Yeah, <laughs> shredded. Yeah, my stuff was done. Rod I, went way past yeah. way past it's grade one. Like it's golfer or yeah, your, you know, this like is your something that thing. is about pain management, and then one, after pain management, you get into uh, effectiveness. Like that's why he talked about accuracy. Because if it's painful at some point, mm-hmm. is he going to wince just a little bit? You know what I mean? Went through the throwing motion and yeah. then that throw off the accuracy of it. Right. And is that is, is that something that's going to persist or are we gonna it's gonna get better? So that that's how the shoulder injuries are. I played with shoulder injuries. They really are about most of them are about pain management, but then can you be effective? Like, yeah, I yeah, I, I played with the uh the shoulder brace they used to put on, but of course when I'm trying to be a gunner, my rip move is not mm. as effective when I got the shoulder brace on because I don't have much power. I can't go I can't go speed to power. That brace is just that. holding you, you in. You know what I mean? Trying well, to yeah, lock you in a little bit. Yeah, keeping the shoulder in place, but still there is pain, all that kind of stuff. So that's what he's going to be dealing with. I, I think either way the offense is going to change a little bit. And then that is the concern how much. That should because, be the expectation. Because no matter yeah. what, even if Sam is ready to go, he's not 100%, how much are you going to expose him? And the whole point is we know the element of Sam Games that makes him unique is that power element that he can be a short yardage ball carrier. Right. And not most quarterbacks are going to be able to do that. He is your best short yardage goal line red zone runner right now. Bam Bam Sam is what you use to kind of move the chains in those short yardage situations. And you may, you may, not, you may, not only, you may only want to use him in like red zone Third and one, fourth and Absolute one. Absolute must, you know must I mean? move the ball. Which I situations. think take, which is going to take away some of his effectiveness. And I don't know. I'm sure they're going to tell him too. Hey, we don't want you to expose yourself as much. And I wonder psychologically, how does that affect him as a player? Because yeah. going going back to what he said going into the Oklahoma game, look, he's he's a gunslinger at heart. That's who he is. That well, unbridled is. style. Yeah. And as we talked about on this show, time and again, credit this staff for taking that and harnessing it and channeling it into something positive. Where they said, you know what, Sam, we don't want you running around like a crazy man with your hair on fire, but we're going to let you handle the ball in these yeah. short yardage and goal line and red zone situations where you know the power stretch rod and short yardage that might be the best play this offense has right now. In any situation. Yep, it was brilliant. It's because almost, it, it's almost like the old uh, uh, Vince Lombardi quote, like, "Hey, yeah. who, who who cares if they know what we're running? If we run it effectively and everybody executes, they can't stop it anyway." Because Ellinger with Texas. the ball, Ellinger <laughs> with the ball in that situation, yeah. it really becomes a tailback running the old Ricky Williams stretch play. Plus and, one. and can you read it? Mm-hmm. Can you read the block? Can you make the right cut? And going back to the Oklahoma game, Sam Ellinger did that. Plus, yes, as you said. And that's, I think, the big thing that Texas has to adjust to depending on – look, if Sam Ellinger, is he going to be 100% no, but if he's 80, 85, I don't know what percentage he's going to be on Saturday. Um, maybe you lessen the, the, um, lessen the number of hits he takes yeah. by maybe utilizing something else in those situations, and that to me is going to be one of the big yeah, keys, not just in this game. Moving forward, it's is it Lil Jordan Humphrey in the Wildcat? Is it going back to Danny Young? Is it just simply more carries for Keontae Ingram? Yeah. I don't know what it is, but that's something the staff's going to have to figure out going oh, forward. And, and until, until, yeah, until Sam Ellinger's back to the point, and, and Rod, as you pointed out, maybe he doesn't get back to that point this season depending on how things play, exactly. so I, I just think you've got to minimize the amount of content. Look, with an injury to your throwing shoulder, you're going to be exposed at all times. It's just the nature of the beast. But mm-hmm. if the staff can have things in place to kind of, again, minimize the amount of hits Agreed. he's going to take, then it, you're going to be for the better.
And then it's just going to come down to just how much diminished skill, if there is some, because with the shoulder, you know, I mean, if we're talking about what he would be, be at 80 percent, it sounds almost like a Boucher. If you take away some of the, the running ability and some of the strength in his arm, he's still going to be running the same type of offense. So it's good to know that if Sam isn't effective, you have somebody that can come in and be a good supplementary player. But with the AC, when you just look at that, it's a surgery my dad had on his shoulder when I was a kid. And it was one that, like Jeff said, like you had to have your injury over time, and then this seems like a perfect case for off-season surgery whenever it's finally, say, if you mm. go and re-injure and re-injure. Yeah. But hopefully, take. I mean, who knows? The bye week couldn't have came at a better time. Maybe Sam's actually able to recover because if you're talking about a sprain, sprains are hard to recover from unless it's 100% recovered because if you're going out there, more trauma or more yeah, inflammation just, by throwing, it'll what, be pain threshold, exactly. and then that means you have the five, six weeks and see how he looks in these games. And I got a feeling it's probably he'll be he's pretty tough. Probably go through that and then maybe have to get it fixed. In well, the what that means is if you're looking at what you just kind of projected, that means less practice time and more rest yes. throughout the week. Yes. And you just kind of trust that he now has ownership of the offense. Right. He knows it. He understands the playbook and everything from then. It's kind of mental reps. And I, I kind of think that's the best approach, especially at this point, because now I can get Shane Michelle all those first team reps that I need in practice. Very in anticipation much. of him Great having point. a comfort zone when he's got to go out there. Cause I, Even camerizing, getting in. Yeah, camerizing, too. And we've talked about it on the show. That backup quarterback, it's already happened, of course, that he's got to have, he has had to go win one game for you this year, and that was the Baylor game. I think it's going to happen again. It's elevating the like baseline just, of your backup quarterbacks. Yeah, it's actually we, sort of helpful it, in that situation yeah. if you know it's happened Sam. The last, it's happened six of the last seven years here on the 40 Acres. It just makes sense it's going to happen again. Last year, what, eight out of the ten teams in the Big 12 need their backup quarterback to go win games for them. It's just going to happen. It's just, I mean, and it happened already. I think Texas is going to need Shane to go in there again because Sam, I'm not saying he can't control himself, but he's going to see a situation where he can go get a first down or something and he's going to go, oh, yeah. go all in. And, Tom and it doesn't take that. a lot. It just takes a little nip at the right spot, the sweet mm-hmm. spot. Like I said, I mean, he might be show. 80% going into this game, but all it's going to take is one hit for that one 80 hit. to go back to square one. Yeah. Rod, so let me ask you this, and we'll get back to talking about the Big 12 big picture here in a sec. But when this is it. When you look at this injury, though, and, and how Tom Herman has been managing games, and again, I'll say for the record, I don't disagree with how he's managed games. No. He, they, the, he wants the offense to be a part of this, but they want to play off their defense, and based on what the defense is doing, they'll adjust their plan on offense accordingly and then sprinkle in yeah. a couple of good things yeah, in the kicking game, whether it's, a, whether it's a punt yeah. return or a block kick or whatever. You're getting enough out of your kicking game. At least the kicking game isn't hurting you. But, Rod, does this change Tom Herman's line of thinking where, look, I don't want Sam being exposed more than he has to be. Do you now, if you're Tom Herman, maybe call it a little more aggressively to get a bigger lead to say, you know what, we're up by three touchdowns at this point in the game. Let's go ahead and get Shane Bouchelle in because we feel like he can at least get us to the end of the game. Um, Do you do something like that? Does well, it, drastically, does it change that if you're, well, if you're Tom Herman? It's, it's, it, you don't have to really do a ton. I mean, think about it. If Sam Mellinger starts. Let's say Sam at – he believes Sam at 75-80% is better than 100% Bouchelle. Yeah. He's going to start. But you want to minimize the risk, minimize the exposure. How about uh, the screen game for the wide receivers? We just got to up that. All right, let's up that 10%. That means the mm-hmm. bubble screens, the tunnel screens, the smoke screens, where you just kind of throw it out there real quick. The extension of up, your run game. Right? All right, so that's that. quick, fast, getting the ball out of his hands quickly. We know now that uh, Colin Johnson's been really good after the catch. 
right? Just getting the ball in his hands with the inside slants, uh, those really quick hitch routes. Let's do more of that. Get the ball out of his hands quickly. That way, we don't have to worry about him getting hit, all right? Offensive line can hold him up really quick, get the ball out of his hands. The, the extension of the running game, I think that goes up a notch. And I'm with you. The little Jordan Humphrey, the Daniel Young, Keontae Ingram, all those guys, they up 10% of their carries. I mean, it really ain't rocket science. Like, it's right. pretty simple. You just kind of do it in a money – you kind of money ball it, and then from then on you go, all right, we really need – we're in the red zone. We're on the three-yard line. It's, it's, you know, it's third down. We need Sam to go ahead and run that stretch run. Let's just do it. We got to do it. We need mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? Like, that's – to me, that's how you do it. And like I said, in practice, you save, you save Sam. Pretty much. Like, Sam just rests in practice. That's it. Yeah, he easily. rests, and then Shane takes all the first-team reps, and we go. And I trust that Sam is kind of can be enough of a gamer, can go out there, take the mental reps in practice, and when he's he's fresher, he's going to be a better player. I mean, that's how you have to approach it at this point. Yeah, and I think that back way you disperse that quarterback situation in practice yeah. is so key for the future, too, because, I mean, how exactly. much Sam's not going to get much better practicing against his guys. Now, seeing, like you said, game plan type stuff yeah. against your opponent, he's there visualizing in right there next to the quarterback, so you aren't missing out on that. Now you're just getting Cam Rising 25% of snaps he wouldn't have got and getting 50 percent more from Shane instead of him getting this 25 he's getting 75 now so that's just good to elevate that and then it can only expedite their development and that offensive approach also works for Shane right so you're upping the 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 screen game with the wide receivers he's really good at the quick passes the high percentage passes he's really great right and then you up the Keontae Ingram uh rushes you up Lil Jordan Humphrey in the Wildcat rushes and then you up Daniel Young in the short yards rushes all that works with also Shane being the guy that's running the show. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's pretty simple what they do. And we know that now offensively we've seen the thing, the scheme, the things that work for this this team. And a big part of it starts with Lil Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson. You can still continue that with Shane Michelle. You just need more reps to figure out what concepts are more conducive to work with his skill set. You know I mean? Yeah, and, and I'll go back to something Tom Herman mentioned Monday, and I this is what I think he was trying to say, and, and it kind of goes into what we're talking about. The offense doesn't change in terms of f- philosophy, doesn't change drastically yes. going from Sam Ellinger to Shane Bouchelle, but there are clearly things yeah. Shane does better than Sam, and there are clearly things Sam does better than Shane. It's yep. just you have to identify those things that Shane does better than Sam, and make sure you've got those things ready to go Highlight in the event in the you need to go with him. Yeah. Exactly. Basically basically said we aren't going to have a Brock Osweiler at quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> you, and you're not like, changing everything from no. the philosophy-wise. But when they run the zone read now with Shane, trust me, that DN is basically like it's licking his chop. I mean, it's just, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, he's That's just, just you don't have to, to worry about on the heels for you know, a concept to work. Yeah, it's not like really he, a threat. he's collapsing down, and then he's not worried about, you know, the uh, – uh, Shane, when Shane does keep it, he sure he can go track him down. Like it just or somebody can. He's not gonna. He's not gonna mind. rip off twenty yards on. Yeah, him. it just changes the dynamic, the and, explosiveness of the offense. In that situation, though, it's big because it still occupies the mind of the defender, which is part of the objective on the front end. Which exactly. is why you don't divert away from yeah. it, and then they can pin their ears back, or you become even more predictable if you do sort of do, operate the team totally differently, as if it, Sam was in there. So, Rod, when we start looking at you know the big picture in terms of where Texas sits. We know, as we said, they're in sole possession of first place in the Big 12. They control control their own destiny destiny, at this point. But when you start looking beyond that at the football weekend and what that brought to the table, you look at Ohio State's loss to Purdue, and now you start looking at, okay, if you're looking at the playoff, if 
things kind of hold to form. Let's say Texas gets to the end. They beat Oklahoma in a rematch, and you've got Texas sitting there 12-1 and as the Big 12 champion against a Big 10 champion. And let's assume it's a, it's a one-loss Michigan, Michigan or it's a one-loss Ohio State. Um, now you're comparing – you know, you're comparing schedules and you're comparing resumes. who's you're comparing resumes and you would say, Well, Texas, yeah, they lost to Maryland who finished How's Maryland you know, doing the Big Ten is gonna be big. Fourth or fifth in their division in the Big Ten. But then but do you say, Well, yeah, but that was their first game of the season. They won twelve in a row since then and they beat Oklahoma twice. The point is now with the Ohio State loss, the Big Twelve is right back in the conversation in terms of being in the playoff because I think we can all agree at this point the Pac twelve is done. Well, you still have seven yeah. weeks, so I would say probably done. It's just the concept that right now there's so much football to be had, it's really pointless to look at who's beat who now. But it's going in Texas's favor when it all is. these top teams keep losing, so that's only yeah. good. I was say it goes in Texas' favor. I think that's the conversation that's being had because you can't – you're not going to be able to deny Texas in, like, into the conversation. If they beat Oklahoma again and run in the a Big table. 12 title game and run the table in the 12 in a row, they're the they're hottest in. team in America yeah. other than Alabama, who's just the most dominant yeah. team in America. So yeah. I, don't even, I don't think that's hot. That's just domination. Mm-hmm. But other than Alabama, you could argue they would be the, most, the hottest team in America. I don't know how Clemson's going to finish up the season. Um, you know, in terms of just like – ACC. Yeah, and a, exactly. Miami ain't great. So uh, we'll see, but – I, I think right now the fact that we're having this conversation it's is awesome. a yeah there you go that's a huge leap it's forward. unbelievable kind of goes back to what you were saying Jeff at the beginning of the show like that's what Texas fans should enjoy yeah. even having this conversation you know what I mean like that's a first world problem yeah <laughs> and, and, and let me let, let me go back to the uh, to the Pac-12 real quick the Pac-12 is not done they're still alive uh, Washington, State, Washington State surprisingly is the team that yeah. that they've got that's still alive. Um, they are at Stanford, uh, and then they finish the year. That Apple Cup game with Washington could be, be huge. Huge, assuming yeah. you know Washington State doesn't lose between now and then. Yeah, we'll see. Washington State's fun to watch, though. Oh yeah, I Leech. love Leach. Yeah, Leach is awesome. He has like dog out there going. To get I like that D coordinator and... too. I forgot his name, but he's he's pretty good. Yeah. We talked about the big picture of where Texas sits in the college football playoff landscape. Did you guys happen to watch? Because uh, we don't really get to, at least I don't, in terms of being a media member following Texas. I don't get to watch a lot of whole games yeah. uh, during the weekend. Did you guys catch any of Tennessee and Alabama? I did not. Catch no, Tennessee I flipped over. To if you didn't catch it in the first like over. ten minutes, he, it was, it was well, already done. I mean, that's that what happened to me. me. Yeah, I flipped I mean, over and it was twenty-eight yeah. zero, about to be thirty-five zero. And the I had heard that Alabama hadn't scored in eight minutes. Like, and they had they had scored like only twenty-eight points in the first eight minutes of the game. Yeah, I'm not shocked by that, man. I don't know how many teams that that could stay in the game with Alabama for two quarters. Honestly, like seriously, man, they're just that dominant. They're yeah. Dead. It's going to be fun to watch some team try to play with Alabama like the best team when we get to the college football playoff. I mean, LSU is going to be able to match physicality with them, but do you execution? trust LSU to score enough points to win yeah, and, yeah, and execute, execute to win that game this weekend? I don't weekend? trust any team to have any chance to beat Alabama. They just might get lucky one time. There you go. That's there it. You and then LSU doesn't have their best defender because of a BS call, so that one they lost their shot probably just right there. Yeah, they lost Devin White for the first half of that game this weekend. Uh, that that game is in Baton Rouge, though. So Yeah. Crazy you know, things happen. It's night yeah. game, I'm yeah, sure. The only prerequisite to having any sliver of a chance, because you aren't going into Is a home game and night game, yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless, oh, yeah. unless you're Cam freaking Newton. As soon as, soon as yeah. LSU, LSU, the LSU Mississippi State game wasn't even over yet, and CBS sitting there going, oh, we're getting this in prime time. Yeah, prime time. <laughs> getting back to Texas in the Big 12, guys, let's go ahead and talk about it this weekend. Texas going to Stillwater to face Oklahoma State. Yeah, let's talk about this Stadium. Oklahoma State thing, man. Uh, Oklahoma State, I do like what they're doing this weekend, 
though. They're honoring the 30th anniversary of Barry Sanders. Oh, those Heisman. jerseys, They're right? going the, with the 1988. The hot orange? Yeah, going with the 1988 yeah. throwbacks. I like those hot orange. Uh, yeah. Very, yeah. very Andy's. clean. Yeah. No, oh, you're right. That's yeah, right. Gundy, Gundy, time. That's what I Gundy in the yeah. same backfield as Thurman Thomas and Barry Sanders. No word on if they're going to go with the uh, white Nike high tops that Mike Gundy and Barry Sanders rolled with. <laughs> that, back would in the day. But, yeah, that would that be sweet. So nothing good, more 80s than that. But, Rod, this is, uh, this is not the Oklahoma State program that we've come to know over the years. Gundy uh, should get those cleats. That he wore and wear Ooh, those. That'd be It'd be awesome if Gundy wore him on the sideline with the same mullet he had in college too. <laughs> they're they're still putting up. They're still putting up yards. They're still putting up points. But you look at their last few games that they've played in the Big Twelve, and and there are some disturbing trends emerging. Specifically, they're getting mashed at the line of scrimmage mm. by Texas Tech. Texas Tech ran for two twenty four. Texas Tech won the rushing battle. And then, when's the last time you said this about a Texas Tech team? Texas Tech won the rushing battle. 224 to 128 over yeah. Oklahoma State in their game. And then K-State goes for 291 almost two weeks ago in Manhattan. Yeah. Was Jet Duffy the quarterback for Tech in that game? No, it was Alan Bowman. Alan Bowman's back? Yeah. Okay. There you go. That was that, boo. That, that was, is that now yeah. that now to me this that stat is even more telling because Jed Duffy it that might have been the game Bowman got hurt. I now don't Bowman know. against Okie State went thirty four five of forty six for three ninety seven. Yeah, yeah. So that that's more telling because it was two picks, three sacks. It was without their kind of their dual threat quarterback at that point. Yeah. Yep. Ta- anyway. Taylor Cornelius was eighteen of thirty nine for Okie State. Yeah. And that's really you know you, Matt you mentioned that's Taylor a good Cornelius. Good sign that Shane Bouchelle ends up starting out to say that. You mentioned Taylor Cornelius, and that's kind of where I want to start the Oklahoma State conversation because, Rod, the, the thing that you notice about Oklahoma State when you watch them, they're not you know, dominant at the point of attack like we've seen them be specifically on the offensive line. And some of the stuff you're hearing from north of the Red River is now that they've had you know, really a lot of time removed from him being in the program, now you're starting to hear, gosh, they really miss Joe Wickline in terms of his ability to identify guys for that program. He understood what Mike Gundy wanted and how to fit the pieces in the offense. And let's face it, I don't think Joe Wickline was a really good fit for a program like Texas, but I think he, and I don't even think he was a great fit when he was at Florida, but I think at places like Oklahoma State and West Virginia where you can recruit kind of gritty, grimy guys, under-the-radar guys that have a chip on their shoulder, and he can really mold them into what he wants. I think that's where Joe Wickline's a good fit, and I think you're seeing that at West Virginia right now. Yeah. We saw that for a long time at Oklahoma State. Not, and, blue, not at a blue blood, basically. Right. Put him at a blue blood. And, He's Coach Buzzcut. He'll get in some trouble. And, and where, the, where they're missing is Taylor Cornelius isn't good to overcome their deficiencies up front, and, and likewise up front they're not good enough to give Taylor Cornelius time to really get into this offense and, and do the things we've seen Oklahoma State quarterbacks do. So I really think when you look at Oklahoma State's offense, Rod, it starts up, they're not as good as they've been at quarterback, as good as they've been up front. And to that point, teams are now able to make them one-dimensional and say, you know what, we're going to focus on stopping Justice Hill. If Taylor Cornelius can beat us throwing the football, then go have at it and see what you can do. But Justice Hill's not going to beat us. Yeah, that was the uh, the beauty of a Mike Gundy offense for years, right? They always had a great tight end that would help them have bring balance mm-hmm. to that offense, and they didn't have a great running back. And then there would be a beast outside, whether you're talking about Blackman or Des, Des Bryant. Bryant or Sean Woods going back to my day. 
And I know that was before Gundy, but they seem to always have kind of have that James mold Washington it. recently. Yeah, and that balance and, and Pettigrew at tight end. Yeah, yeah. They and just then Blake that, Jarwin. Yeah, yeah. You, everybody remembers those guys, right? Because because for Blake, had Billy Badgerman at one yeah, time. They West always Miles, yeah. had those guys, and now, yeah, you're right. I mean, now they don't really have that. Kind of, they actually do have that those that beast on the outside, but they don't have the balance on offense. And if you can make them one dimensional. Taylor Cornelius is not good enough to go beat teams. Period. He's just not that good. No. And and on the offensive line, he can't. He doesn't have enough time to beat you either. And I think that's where Texas is going to win this game versus Oklahoma State. It's going to be Charles Amenahu and that D line, that defensive front, getting yeah. to him early and often. You know, Oklahoma State's defensive line, they're generating pass rush. They're generating splash plays they in are. the backfield. That, that they're among the best in the country in terms yeah. of sacks and tackles for loss. But yeah. then – I mean, you start looking up and you're seeing, you know, K-State goes for 291. That was a, that was a K-State offense that we saw against Texas. Man, they really they had to squeeze the orange out of all the juice it could to get every single yard they got in that game. And Alex Barnes is running through them like crap through a goose, man. Just boom, up the gut all yeah. day long. That's what was so surprising about Texas against Kansas State. We were like, that isn't the team we recognize. That's not a Snyder team. It's like they're back to Snydering and beating Oklahoma State the way they did. But that was just bizarre. They just did not play very well against Texas. But, Rod, when I start looking at this game, you know, we, we just talked about personnel and we can talk about schemes and all that. But to me – the things that concern me have nothing to do with the personnel on the field. The things that concern me are kind of those outside factors, the fact that it's a night game, the fact that Oklahoma State coming off a of bye week, and it's not just that they're playing Texas. I think they look and see a name opponent that's ranked sixth in the country and say, you know what, if we win this game, this could be the thing that turns our season around. So I think like with Baylor, and I'm not just saying this is Texas getting everybody's best shot. I think this is a team looking at playing the number six team in the country saying, you know what, man, if we if we empty the cup, if we win this game, this can completely turn everything around. Likewise, I think this is one that if Oklahoma State loses it, I think like Baylor at the end, you'll see a lot of disappointed faces that, man, we emptied the cup and we gave it everything we had and we came up short. So I think this is going to be kind of Oklahoma State's last stand, so to say. This is their last chance, really, to kind of make something of their season and get things going in the right direction. Well, Texas is only, what, three-point favorite in the game, I believe? Yep, I, went up to three. Did it go up it, to three? It okay. went up to three. Yep, it, and that's, I guess, uh, whenever people were speculating about Sam, I, I see it here at one and a half on the 21st at 530, yeah. then it hopped to two and a half real quick, and then back – to three, back to two and a half, and now back at three. So what does that tell you Vegas thinks about the Longhorns? That well, right Longhorns, now, now was, is that they just play their competition, and that's I think we're beyond that. It's not it's not just play their competition thing. Is that And it kind of goes to what you've always said. The offense is not meant to blow people out. They play kind of this... Um, Complimentary this, style to their yeah, defense. Yeah, there's a very kind of symbiotic nature to how they want to win games, and they're not really meant to just kind of beat the hell out of teams and blow them out. That is not what Longhorn fans are used to. That is a big part of why the narrative is different mm-hmm. about this team, why they're maybe more complaining about a team that's 5-2 and two through the midway season at a point than any team that we've seen. A lot of other things, too, but I think that this, this group is – they're not going to win that way. They almost win in like a K-State fashion. They're, they're, they're anti-Big 12 mm-hmm. in the way they win games. Like it's, yeah, it's counter. It goes against Running. the grain of the Big 12. And I think that is why Longhorn fans, they're uneasy about it. That's why yes. It doesn't look good, but betters like it. It's ugly, but it, it's effective. It's really effective. I think Tom Herman knows what he has. Like If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Mm-hmm. He's figured out how to make the, this relationship work with the one that he's with. On his way to getting, on to his way to get to where he wants to be. You know what I mean? So I think that's what it's about. That's why all the games are going to be close. 
It ain't mm. just playing to your competition. No. It's almost no. like this team isn't built to blow anybody out. Even if they play with Alabama, even if they play with any team, like yeah. even like that's why the Baylor's the Baylor win looks just like the win over you know Oklahoma or TCU. You know what I mean? It's it's str- hell. TCU win looks like the best win. Yeah, like they blew they beat the hell out of TCU. The <laughs> volatility in football nowadays too. Just in you're in the best offensive conference, so it isn't exactly what football minds and even betting minds for so long have valued these few points and half points. And the volatility, just like basketball, is higher than it's ever been in football. So you can get more skewed production, which is why Herman is talking about those few strengths. If you have your defense, have your run ground control, you can then dictate the tempo in those situations that you can, if you need to, slow it down and yep. keep it away from them. And in certain spots, say, when if you have a backup quarterback, you're going to need to do those type of things. But it also can give you a reason to be aggressive on defense and a reason why you can have a close game against USC turn into a blowout late only because of aggressiveness with the lead or a game like Oklahoma where you're like, how the hell are you get up by 21? But then you see what can happen in the Big 12 like that. And the game can evaporate on you real quickly so you just look at these settings in these situations and it's why it looks good for Texas in this situation whenever the line's hopping up because three's big if you see under three in betting that means that they're trying to get that team to get the points and entice people just enough to take that dog but the other team's gonna win once you get over three that extra three and a half we hit that markation of football where you get to four to seven and winning by four to seven is so much bigger if Texas can get to that number then you're gonna feel good it's good that it's turning that way but right now in the Big 12 anything less than a score man that can be 20 seconds you know I mean it comes down to that at the very end so you gotta limit those possessions which is what Herman's doing Rod I'm glad you brought up margin of victory in the games where Texas has had you know a margin of victory that I think makes Texas fans feel good. And the two games you can look at and say that were USC and TCU. TCU. But what was the factor in those two games? Non-offensive Turnovers touchdowns? and non-offensive touchdowns. Yeah. TCU turns the ball over four times. You essentially got a non-offensive touchdown the in the Kate. TCU game with the Caden Stearns interception. Yeah, you with your defense. Stepped out at the yeah. two. Yeah, yeah. Texas scores one play later. Exactly. And then I you had the that. blocked field goal return against USC. And what have we said about also Tom Herman's Kate, teams? Also Caden Stearns. <laughs> what have yeah. we said about Tom Herman's teams going back to his time at Houston? Mm-hmm. When they're blowing people out, it's either the competition is way inferior. You're playing a Texas Southern or a Texas State that yep. doesn't even belong on on the field with you, or you're getting a, you're getting turnovers. You're yeah. either getting non-offensive touchdowns, or yeah. you're setting your offense up on a lot of short fields. And when you start to look at this game, that's another thing from Oklahoma State that we haven't seen. When they've been really good, the turnover margin's been in their favor yeah, a back lot. In the Bill Young days, and you look yeah. at them now, Rod. Through seven games, they're minus three in turnover margin. Yeah, which is the kind of the key to winning the Big Twelve. Right, Period. as as we discussed in Texas during this six game winning streak, they're plus eight. Yeah. They're killing it in the turnover margin. And, you know, that's another thing, too, why, you know, Sam Ellinger's the biggest indicator of his growth has been him taking care of the football. Right. You know what I mean? And one thing that Longhorn fans are uneasy about in the Baylor game with Shane Duchelle, what they deem being more reckless with the mm. football. You know what I mean? Throwing it up for grabs. Like the term. Which the, made that game closer. That's mm, the Big 12 in a nutshell. Right. The Big 12 is about points. And possessions, mm-hmm. period. Like, that's it. Just get the ball back. That's why Amount turnovers are so big. 
You yeah. want to have the most plays. It was something that blew us away when we were looking at the first year of Charlie Strong's numbers. And you're like, Texas led the damn conference in yards per play and points per play. Yeah. And were crap with a losing record. What was the difference? They Texas have no plays. had the fewest plays. And we were yeah. totally different odd egg in this culture of offensive football and modern football. And you just can't be that now. You can't even be that in the NFL now. And you're starting to see Agreed. that. But you look at, like you were saying, in this matchup against to, uh, Oklahoma State, the turnover margin in the bottom hundred, but you also bring up the defense being the reason why and the difference in those games that blows out those games, and even more so, look at the individuals. It's the difference of last year losing close games, and this year it is the Caden Stearns or the Ingram early punt yeah. return, or Ingram run. You had the Deshaun Jameson punt return. You had B.J. Foster, his late pass breakup, yeah. certain situations. All those games you can mark to something a freshman has added on to the defense Splash or special plays. teams that you did didn't have yeah. yeah your boy tumbling so i want to go back to sam ellinger real quick i know we spent a lot of time talking about the injury barad you mentioned the lack of turnovers he's taking care of the ball i think sometimes when when people put the label of a game manager on a quarterback it almost has a negative connotation to it but he definitely does i think when you talk about sam ellinger and his ability to manage a game that might be his best quality right now and it's not just taking care of the football it's the ability to check plays get the offense out of a bad play into a good play and maybe not sometimes into a good play it's just getting them out of that bad play out of that bad situation or checking a protection and the little things like that that you know we don't see we don't really hear about don't show up in the box score but that's that's a huge step forward this offense is taking that nobody's really talking about. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, you start thinking about that with a guy like Sam, you know, taking care of the football now. And we've always we, – he always had a high ceiling. We always saw, like, the ability for him to make explosive big-time plays, big splash plays, and that's, uh, you know, a phrase I just brought up. But hmm. what we wanted for him was to, you know, be more responsible. We wanted him to have a – a baseline, a higher baseline as a player, be more consistent with the good plays and obviously get rid of the bad plays. With some players, you want them you want them to become game managers, but you also have to evolve them into making becoming big time playmakers. With Sam, you don't have to do that. That's in him. Like he's a mm-hmm. he's a big time playmaker. There ain't no question. Right. What big we wanted arm. to do was kind of yeah, we wanted to be him to be more constructive about it. And I think that's what Tom Herman and Tim Beck too have done really, really well. They've actually he's a really constructive playmaker at this point with limited amount of risk but a lot of reward. And I, I think it goes back to something we've talked about for years on this Defense podcast. It's yeah. the, it's the fact that Texas hasn't had skill guys really until this year that an opposing defense had to look at and say, okay, we gotta we gotta account for that guy, we gotta account for that guy. Now, NFL. not only do you have that with Colin Johnson and Lil Jordan Humphrey, now you've got that with Keontae Ingram too. Yeah. So you you've got good your 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 weapons around the quarterback, and let's not discount this offensive line. I know last week we talked about their ability to manufacture depth, but. You mentioned, Rod, last week, the best thing we can say about Sam Cosme is we're not talking about Sam Cosme. Why is talking about him? Has anybody talked about Calvin Anderson much this year either? No, you're right. Haven't said That's much great. about him. No, your bookend tackles are have been really good so far. So the stuff around the quarterback – Dare I say it's as good as it's been around here in a long time. Yeah, a long yes. time. And we've been yelling for that as that was the issue for so long. And then you can always, because you simplify things down to skill position guys, but sometimes it's not their fault if the structure, even from the scheme yep. or from actual like integrity from not getting blindsided and now not being in the conscience of a quarterback that, oh, man, I'm replacing this guy. And there's been eight of them, and they've all never finished their careers here. What am I going to do?
Yeah. No, and, I, and that's why I think that Shane can be more effective, too, within the offense because everything around him has improved since he was last a starter. Yeah. Wide receivers, offensive mm-hmm. line, running game. That's what we all struck. We all agreed he just needed more infrastructure, and he's got that. So I'm actually confident that if he had a week of practice, which I know he has as a starter, I think Shane, with a game plan centered around him, I think he can be effective. Arguably, it's funny, though. Like, we have maybe the best backup quarterback in all of college football, our own Nick Foles. Yeah. You know, like, and it's a Westlake quarterback that's ahead of this guy. Most experienced quarterback in the Big 12. Yes. Well, especially, (laughs) Matt, I mean, I don't think think your statement's that crazy, especially now considering Jalen Hurts had some kind of, was a quote, air quotes, minor ankle procedure or whatever after the Tennessee game. Whatever that well, is. I don't got know, two, right? <laughs> you got Tua in front of you, 25 TDs, no interceptions. When I looked at that, I was like, man, that ain't Anytime fair. you're running quarterback well, going under the knife for an ankle procedure, I don't think that's minor. I don't think you could qualify. Can he, so he's going to get minor. a medical red shirt for that? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. Well, anyway. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and get to some predictions. It's Texas and Oklahoma State on Saturday. Under the lights at Boone Pickens Stadium in Stillwater. 7 o'clock start on ABC, and I know we didn't talk a lot about Oklahoma State's personnel. You know, We probably should have devoted more time to Oh, that's easy. To Tylen Wallace it's and Tylen Tyron Wallace Johnson. and Justice Hill. Yeah, that's I'll throw free. Tyron Johnson in there. As, as you can the throw him in there, but it's Tylen Wallace. I mean, yeah, Tyron Johnson so Rod, 20 years. Before we get into predictions, yeah. let me ask you this real quick, though, on, on the defense, because we didn't spend a lot of time. I'm assuming Texas will play a lot of dime, have yeah. a similar plan to what they did last year, they Played, will. take away the vertical stuff, keep everything in front of you, and trust that your front's better than their front when it comes to stopping the run. I think the X factor in this game, and I know I talk about him every week, so maybe he's not an X factor anymore, the ability of B.J. Foster to not just play in the box but as a blitzer. You're getting basically the same thing you had with Jason Hall last year when he took over that joker position. You're just getting an upgrade in terms of the level of athlete you've got at that position now and the versatility you've got yeah. at that position with B.J. Foster. So I think the dime package, as we said, you're getting into the stretch now of Big 12 play where that's going to be your base defense, and unless you can substitute situationally for short yardage and, and red zone and things like that, the dime is going to be what they do. Tyron Wallace, uh, what's it, Tyron? Tyron Johnson. Tyron Johnson. Yeah. They're going to go deep early and often. Uh, Matt was just talking about it before the podcast. It, I think uh, Tyler Wallace is averaging 18 yards a catch. Mm-hmm. Tyron Johnson averaging, what, 20 yards Wallace a catch? Wallace 17-9, yep. Johnson 19. Just- yeah, I mean, th- those guys are going to – they, they want to get vertical downfield. So my concern is Devontae Davis and Chris Boyd. Chris Boyd and Caden Stearns both named to the Thorpe Awards semifinalists. So congratulations to those right guys. Right there with you, Rodby. I don't know why Brandon Jones was enlisted. That's actually a slap in the face. Because uh, of his teammates, I Yeah, guess. I don't know. I guess they didn't want to have three guys on the semifinalists. That wouldn't uh, be, be kosher. But – my point is, they're going to test those corners. So Chris Boyd, he can make himself some money this week. Or he can lose some money this week. I assume he'll get matched up on Tylen Wallace at some point. If they get Wallace on uh, uh, Wallace or Johnson on Davis, I think they, they'll probably have a check, kind of a built-in, baked-in check that they want to go deep if they can figure out if they're in man coverage. The, uh, so Caden Stearns and Brandon Jones over the top going to be big in this game. The, the question I was going to ask you seemed like 12 minutes ago when I was thinking about it. The the issues with the defense we talked about, which really it's three areas teams are attacking now that we've seen. It's Devontae Davis on the outside, yep. it's P.J. Locke down the seam, and yep. it's Anthony Wheeler in the middle. How much does that concern you this week? Uh, I'm sure they'll move those wide receivers around, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Tylen Wallace in the slot mm-hmm. or you know Tyron Johnson in the slot just to try to, uh, try to exploit P.J. Locke. And in the running game, I'm sure they'll figure out some way to get you know Justice Hill – uh, on the edges, or to try to get him in a one-on-one with Anthony Wheeler somehow. <laughs> yeah, <'cause laughs> you know what I mean? like that. As a 
as a that, D, that, to me, those are the three places where you're attacked. As a D coordinator, though, what can you do to mask the deficiencies you've got there? And again, we're not saying oh, those guys bring, are bad players, but that's clearly no, yeah. the, the quote unquote like, weak spots of this. Yeah, defense you can right. obviously shift the D line. You can uh, you can bring guys up into the box. I mean, there's several things. I think Todd Orlando under if we if we see it, Todd Orlando sees it. All right, right. It's, not, it's not a mystery to him. Mm-hmm. So Todd Orlando, I think even in that dime, he'll have guys in the box. Why BJ Foster? I agree with you. Is going to be big. He basically works as an extra linebacker. I think another big part of it will be, like I said, the safeties over the top for P.J. Locke, for Devontae Davis. They're going to go deep, man. They're going to just take their shots because they can even get a P.I. that Texas has been susceptible to as well this year. So I think that Caden Stearns was a natural kind of ball hawk. Um, him over the top, I think he can actually pick off the quarterback a couple of times. He's done it. We've seen it uh, already a couple yeah. of times this he'll, year. He'll probably do it again, and the main thing is uh, yeah, just I mean, Gundy being the type of guy like understanding what he's up against and understanding, say, the deficiencies yeah. of a new way to use double moves or different route yep. concepts that these guys, when you layer your offense oh, to a side. double move and, is coming. Yes, all day long. It's coming. They're going to be double oh, moving man. on both sides. They're like going to double move on both <laughs> sides. Triple move. <laughs> he'll be like, no sense. They want a triple move. He might yeah. get a triple Move. It, yeah. it like stuttered four more yeah. feet. If they can get the time to do it. But when you look at Texas and uh, the way that Orlando's just been getting pressure, the DB Havoc rates fifth in the nation now for Texas, which is insane yeah. that they're better than they were last year when we were wondering if they could be what they were last year. And right now, looking that good. So, one thing, when if you're talking about, like, say, you're attacking one way to protect Derek Day or uh, Devontae Davis, is you bring the blitz from the other side because you always try to throw into the blitz side and to be able to get the numbers when a quarterback identifies that. So if you want to protect a guy like him, you bring blitz opposite him. So then it may lure the defense to the strength of your so, defense. So just with point. his havoc rate, it's something that is insane and it's that consistent, which is awesome. And the next best thing is looking at Oklahoma State and the offensive line just across the board sack rate on passing downs, overall sack rate. They're in the bottom part of the country. It's 104th in passing down sack rate, 93rd in overall passing sack rate, and then even on running sack rate, 71st. So they're in the bottom half to, say, bottom 20 to 30 across the board and giving up sacks. The one thing is is they're great at throwing the ball. They're 15th in overall passing and passing downs and explosivity. So it's just exactly the Ohio State or Oklahoma State that you it's, remember It's playing. boom or bust yep. in the passing game for them. Mm-hmm. Rod, you, you said it, yeah, though. Chris, Chris Boyd can make him some money. He can lose him some money this mm-hmm. weekend. This is another game where Charles Amenahu in primetime go make Make you some Ooh, more money, we'll make man. some bridge, young man. Yeah, I agree with that. Charles Minnow could get two sacks in this game. He can make some money. He yeah. already's been he, every he's game. He's making now. money. He's making money. Yeah, that K State sequence made him a ton of money. No, I think it, he'll get double digits. Open sacks field tackle. We bear clawed down Kyler Murray, in and one we play. didn't. We didn't give him enough credit for the end of the Baylor game. You go watch the end of that last drive yeah. of the Baylor game. Where he's on he, Charlie Brewer. He had, I think, the last three plays. He was credited with he's the pressure. Hunting. Yeah, I got to go look at his look at his quarterback hits and quarterback pressures. I think Texas keeps up with one of them, but not the other. But pressures they at, do, hits they do not. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I'll keep, I, I got to go look at that. And you got a you know, place like Pro Football Focus and place like that that'll they'll define those yeah. ways differently. From they'll the bring. Oh, men who eleven yeah. run stuffs right now leads the team by far, which is I mean Gary Johnson has seven and a half run stuffs, and that's, that's why a, he's making money. He's a pass rusher and he's improved his run. He's a, uh, Texas is getting. All-American level play from a defensive end. It's just not the one going into the year everybody thought it was going to be. Great point. Not the profit.
<laughs> Which is great. This is great. No, it's good. It's awesome. It's not, yeah. the, not the guy I ever thought it was good. All right, let's get some Oklahoma State predictions. Matt, let's start with you. What are you thinking about this one? Oh, man, I've been back and forth about the results because I, at the beginning of the year, said Texas was going to lose one of those games between, you know, Manhattan or Stillwater or you're going to go to Lubbock. But this one, just the way that Oklahoma State's team is set up and them ha- sort of having deficiencies where Texas can attack, I'm liking Texas. I, I really think it's going to be closer than Texas fans would enjoy any of it. Right now, I'm going to check the over-under and see if it's moved, but nope, it's stayed right at about 60. It's where Texas's all their games have been, so it's not as if both teams' totals are going up or down in a clear indication. So I think it's going to come down to the end. Texas barely covers 27-23. Okay, mm. so somewhat of a low-scoring game. Yeah. Rodby, what say you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't know what's going to happen at the quarterback position. Either way, I think the, uh, the offense is going to change a little bit. I'll go with Texas to win. I think Texas is a much better team. I think the D-line is going to win it for them. I think Texas is having the best safety duo uh, combination probably in the country. Uh, one of them, uh, maybe behind Alabama, is probably going to win it for them because uh, I think they help over the top with those uh, receivers that want to get vertical. So I'll go Texas 31 to uh 27. I, I think Oklahoma State's going to score some points in this game because, again, I, yeah. and I don't think it's anything relative to what we've talked about in terms of personnel. I just think this is a game where they've had an extra week to get ready for it. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to empty the tank. This is their last shot to turn their season around, similar to Baylor. Um, but I think at the end of the day, Texas is the better team. I do think we'll see Sam Ellinger a lot. I think he'll start. Is he going to be 100%? I don't know. But everything I've heard, unless there's a setback between now and then, He's going to be the guy, and I'll trust this offensive staff enough. They've gained my trust, Rod, to where I think yeah, to alleviate some of the that. pressure off of Sam Ellinger, they can cobble enough together. I don't like picking against the spread or over-unders or anything like that because we've shown Texas is not the team to do that with. Not that team. Uh, I'll take Texas to win 35-30. They still got them covering. Yep, got them covering and going over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. We split it right down the middle. Yeah. Well, I, actually, we all took Texas to cover. I, we all took Texas And to cover. the public right now, 69% on Texas, 31 on Okie State. So not in glaring issues, but if you get in that 80-20 territory, you never want to be on the 80s. So. We all have uh, Oklahoma State scoring three to four touchdowns, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. and I'll say this. I think if Texas loses this game, it's not going to be personnel or anything like that. It's going to be there's some schematic flaw with the defense, Texas defense, that Mike Gundy just exploits time and again, and Texas can't stop it. Or – something really wrong happens on offense where something happens to Sam and then you were unable to compensate and, and keep pace with Oklahoma State. I think it's the, something happened to Sam, or Sam's not the same. It's, it's like, going to be so, it it's going to be something. If, 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 if Texas loses. Something, something schematically that after the game we say, that was a hell of a job by Mike Gundy and that Oklahoma State staff to do that. If Texas doesn't get the non-offensive score and they do, you're screwed, you're going to lose. Mm, that's a good one, too. I like but that. I don't think – this won't be some kind of mental. Oh, Texas wasn't ready. They were overlooking Oklahoma State. <laughs> that or, stuff doesn't. Happen. This is a mature football team. It won't be anything like that. It'll be injury or, like I said, some schematic schematic edge Oklahoma State had or something of that nature. I agree with that. All right, we'll see what happens this weekend in Stillwater, and we'll see what happens this weekend too with West Virginia. If West Virginia gets a W against Baylor on Thursday night. It could be prime time. That mm. could be the game of the week in college football coming well, up at DKR. No, it won't because they'll be LSU-Bama. Well, that's this weekend, though. Is okay. this weekend? Yeah. Well, right now oh. we got the prime time this yeah. week. It's ABC okay. prime time. Yeah. It's their national slide. That's big time. Yeah. Well, I'm talking, <laughs> Texas I'm, hasn't been there in forever. 
I'm talking. Well, no, actually, LSU, LSU Bama is. Uh, yeah, it's the West Virginia 3rd. weekend, right? This is the West Virginia. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, we won't get that weekend because LSU Bama. Like, I, 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 I think I had to take on that like three weeks ago. We had to win. It all had to work out a certain way for us to get game day to come to that Texas. Well, game. hell, it'll still be awesome anyway. It will be a great game. As long it'll as, as, long as yeah. the Longhorns hold up their end of the deal this weekend. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B, appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049 AM twelve sixty. Streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Same as plug. But thanks to Matt. You can get us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts, and always get our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24 7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.